0: Welcome to From Caving In to Crushing It, the podcast for those who find themselves immersed in adversity and choose to write their story instead of having others write it for them. I'm Drew Durani, and I'm your host. Andrea, it's so good to see you. Thank you so much for, com- for coming on. I really, really appreciate this.
1: Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward
0: to it. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny because the intro to this podcast talks about me, inter- you know, having discussions with men who have gone through hell and come out stronger. And, you know, since I, since this is my baby here, I could, I can interview a woman if I want. You are the first woman I'm having on my podcast. You, you are amazing. And, and just re- I was doing more reading about you. And the thing I, I absolutely love, and I don't know if anybody in the world has done this. Andrea is a social worker turned comedian. There's so much in that. Can you just tell me, I know life is not linear. So first, how'd you get to be a social worker? Like the why behind it? And then how the heck does a social worker turn comedian and improv? So this is just fascinating.
1: Good questions, good. You're doing great so far with (laughs) your first interview of a woman. I'm gonna let you know right now. I'll be grading you as you go, and you're doing a great job so far.
0: I appreciate that. I can always learn. thank you.
1: <laughs> so I became a social worker because um, i I think I shared with you before I am a survivor of sexual assault when I was a child. Right. And it was social workers who stood in that gap for me and helped me figure out how to move forward and how to feel safe again, you know, in environments that it were, it was important for me to figure out how to feel safe in, you know? Um, and so I kind of felt this indebtedness to this profession. Um, but I also knew that in the situation where I was victimized at my church, there were other little girls who were victimized who for different reasons, um, hadn't come forward or hadn't shared their story. And it wasn't until I was a teenager that some of the people came forward to me privately at like youth group lock-ins. And they were like, Hey, that thing that happened to you, it happened to me too. Um, Or like it happened. My brother did this to me or like these sorts of things. And they were like sharing these things with me. And I realized like, Oh my gosh, like there's so much hurt in the world. Mm -hmm. And like this thing that had made me feel so alienated, Mm -hmm. truly connected me to so many people. And I thought, you know, because, because these people have helped me heal to the point where I'm able to right. share my story without it causing me nightmares, you know, for weeks mm-hmm. on end. And because I've been able to heal and process, like, I would love to be able to help other people do right. that.
2: Right.
1: Um. So that had been sort of my impetus. You know, it was like personal for me. And then... Um, I, you know, went to school. I was a double major and a double minor. My two majors were social work and religion. My minors were teaching English as a second language and missions. Cause my whole plan was, I "I want to be able to have a job no matter what happens. Like if anything happens, (laughs) I want
2: to be able to like, no, I have a job. You
0: are covered.
1: I, that was the plan. Mm -hmm. So, um, at any rate, I had lots of interests is really the bottom line there. Lots of interests. Um, but the common thread was I want to be a helper. I want to know how to, I can contribute in this world and be helpful. So became a social worker, moved to Pittsburgh after Mm -hmm. school, um, and was a social worker while I was a social worker. Are you ready for this? Because uh, my yes, path to yes, comedy yes. is not the path that you're expecting. Okay. I like,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had this idea for a tech startup at work with my friends.
0: A tech startup at work, as while well, you're an a social app. worker. Okay. Yes.
1: Tech- and so I was like, we need to make this app. So I go to startup weekend in Pittsburgh, pitch this idea for an app. We won. Wow. I'm like 23, don't know what the H E double hockey pucks I'm doing at all. And so I am now like in charge of making this app happen. Uh-huh. I had like recruit software engineers, try to raise capital, like all this stuff. I did a horrible job. It fell apart in <laughs> a year and a half. <laughs> we lost like all of our money. I learned a ton though, of like course. a ton.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but part of winning this startup weekend was that uh-huh. I could go to any of the Pittsburgh Tech Council workshops for free. Okay, And one of them was called improv for CEOs. And I was technically the CEO of this flaming crap circus, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm being so mean share closet was a beautiful idea. And the people who were helping me build it are beautiful humans. And I still love all of them, of all of them um, at any rate. So I go to this workshop mainly because I knew share closet was falling apart. So I, I wanted something to be joyful about. And I knew it seemed like fun. Right. And I knew that it would be fun, but like, I didn't realize how deeply meaningful it would be and how I would f- hear in this workshop mm-hmm. so much that was so familiar about um, living a brave life, you know, right. and being right. resilient and, and building trust with people that you don't know and might have reasons not to like, and figuring out how to keep being vulnerable and keep building something with people who have failed in front of you or choosing to be vulnerable when you're the one who has failed, you know, and Mm -hmm. there's just so much about improv that are like the skills that it takes to make it work. Well, are the same skills that help life work well and it's fun to practice them. And the stakes are so much lower, you know, like it's, it's really an interesting environment to learn these incredibly helpful Life skills, right. and so as a social worker and as a, well, we don't need to get all into this, but like, person of faith who was estranged from my faith at that time. Yeah, was, I felt this like deep resonance of like, oh, th- there's something that's really, really good here. There's a wow. lot of love that is present here, yeah. and um, yeah, so that's that's how it happened for me.
0: Wow. All right. So there, there, there is a lot here. So if I thinking about even even the double major double minor the fact that religion was one of the the majors where you could have or did you sh- kind of turn your back on religion because of what mm. happened to you with the church which I could completely understand
1: so interestingly enough no it it really wasn't about that like i had in the time of like, I've been going to therapy since I was so young because of what happened to me. And so I'd sort of come to an understanding that like, this kind of thing happens all over the place. It happens to people in their homes. It Mm -hmm. happens to people at school. It happens to people in Cub Scouts. It happens like everywhere, you know, like it happens in so many different places. What happened for me as a religion major, Mm. um, was, learning for the first time, like the history of where the Bible came from. And the the type of Christianity that I had grown up with was very much like there is one right way to do it. Oh, and nice. fortunately for me, it's the way that my culture does it. Like how mm-hmm. fortuitous is that? <laughs> of oh, yeah. all the, of all the way. Happened. The yeah. one way that doesn't lead to hell is my way. My way. Yeah. Wow.
0: Unbelievable. And
1: anything that didn't fit in with that, it was like the right. Bible is the actual truth. My understanding yep. of it was like it was dropped straight down from heaven. Yep. And I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it was just this yeah. idea of like this infallible book. Exactly. And then as a religion major at a Christian school, I'm learning like where this book came from and mm-hmm. the way that people killed each other over what would be put in this book. Right. and. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the texts that were written that weren't a part of it. And so for me, that was like the, Mm -hmm. the first thing that made me be like, what if I don't know everything, right? Like, what if, what if basically I couldn't handle that? Like, I couldn't handle this, this thought of like so many decisions about who's in and who's out, who's right. right And who's wrong, who's good enough and who's not good enough. My church has made those decisions based on what's in this book. Yeah. Because absolutely. because we're telling folks and ourselves that this is the perfect book. Everything we need to know about life is in mm-hmm. this book. Yep. And now here I find out that there is like major question marks about yeah. where this came from. And so mm-hmm. I don't know now how this is going to land. With all your yeah,
0: readers. You're in your 20s at or like late, right? College, well, I'm in college. college. So, I was, so yeah,
1: I was 18, 19. Well, you
0: know, I got got to give you a ton of credit for that because, you know, most of our belief system is kind of written for us, half of, you know, 50% of it, maybe, maybe a lot more at a young age of like seven or so. By the time we're like ready to go to college, we're basically told what we're supposed to believe. And it is, it must have been, yeah, eye-opening for you at that age to say, geez, all that stuff that I'm supposed to believe that people told me is not all true. And I give you credit for bucking the system because a lot of us don't do that that young. It age. was
1: very alienating. Well, and this <laughs> yeah, this was yeah. the whole reason why improv was such an important thing right. for me because I see that. Yeah. um, I like Christianity is a part of my home culture. Like right. it's a part of my identity, you yeah. know, and. Yeah. So feeling alienated from the faith of my ancestors, you know, the, right. the way that they understood how to walk in the way of love right. was like heartbreaking for me. Like it, right. it didn't feel to me the same as being like, you know, before, I can't even think of a comparable thing, but it felt like a huge deal, you know, right. to, Absolutely. to lose this out of my life. And then yeah. when I found improv and started hearing some of these similar threads of truth, like really what, what was Christianity ever supposed to be about? It's supposed to be about love. love you know, it's right. supposed to be right. about like, you know, Jesus taught, I, I don't know what you want from me right now. And I don't know how this, any of this is going to land with your, with your listeners, but the okay, truth no. of my story is that. Many of, um,
0: think, many of us think like this and have these dichotomies where we're wondering, and this is totally, you're going to resonate with a lot of people listening.
1: Right. Now. Okay. And, and if there's people listening I hope what you deeply hear from me is that it is not my intention to proselytize or mm-hmm. anything try right. to convince folks one way or the other about anything. Um, the only, yeah, it, it, anyhow, but for me, mm-hmm. I, I understood that like Jesus teaches this message of like radical love, like mm-hmm. dangerous love, like right. vulnerable right. love. Right. And right. so that had been impressed upon me because in the midst of all the hubbub about, you know, Christian nationalism and just all this stuff that was so familiar to me growing up. Right. There also inside of that were people of love, yeah. people who right. deeply wanted to make the world a better place, Absolutely. and who, you know, were just like so. So there's the, it's a both and, you know. Right, right. But so for me, finding improv and yes. and hearing this sense of like, what if we let all of this go,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's not about any of that, right, right. And
1: what it's right. actually about is listen. With your full attention to your scene partner, listen to them,
2: Beautiful.
1: look for ways to support them mm-hmm. and then be about that. Like right. be sacrificial in your support of your scene mm-hmm. partner. Your job is not to be hot. Your job is mm-hmm. to not be like, focus on what people think about you. And right. like, you know, you're, that's not what we're doing here. What we're doing Beautiful. here is looking for ways to make our scene partner look good. Right. Right. And you be silly as shit. Whatever needs to happen right now, you yeah. get out there, you put your ass on the line yeah. and you support your scene partner, even if you don't get it yet. Even if you don't understand what their idea is quite yet, you build whatever it's going to be together. And to me, I just was like, well, I can get behind that. Like, yeah. I love that. And uh, it's probably not immediately clear from this conversation, all the parallels that I found. And it wasn't like in one class, my faith was restored. Right, 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 but right. I actually wrote about the experience of understanding God differently mm-hmm. and like finding this faith that actually was like deeply meaningful to me right. on the other side of becoming an improviser and a comedian. Because it was like for the first time, I felt like drawn toward love.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Without all of the legalism. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And I
1: wrote absolutely. about it in a Mennonite blog, which I'm happy to share the link with your followers if go. they like it. Absolutely. Also, it's totally absolutely. fine if they are not absolutely. interested. But
0: <laughs> no, you know what? What you're saying is, is, is something that m- most of us would benefit from because you talk about authenticity, you talk about um, unconditional support that you're giving you're talking about emotional vulnerability you're about giving and putting yourself out there not worrying what other people are going to think you're there to help others lift lift them up right and yeah all of that is is such a healthier way to live regardless if you put it under the religion or improv or whatever just being who you yeah. are yeah. is so fulfilling and i mean for I mean, it took me. I'm 54. It took me 53 years to realize that. The last the last year, it's been unbelievable because we have a choice who we bring into our world, mm-hmm. and we and and it's 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 up to us, and we make all those decisions ourselves. We don't need to be influenced by by anything else. So I'm I'm very um. This I don't, don't mean. I mean for this to be a good thing. I'm proud as hell for you. i proud of you for where you are now. I want to learn a little more about improv um, from you because I know the, this is one of the things I'm hearing a lot about because it does free a lot of people improv. So can you tell me some more of the, you told me some of the basics if we could just dive a little deeper into improv and how it can help people in life, not, not just have to be what Absolutely. you do for a living, but in life. I'd love to hear.
1: So the core foundation of improv is mm-hmm. this concept of yes and which your listeners may have heard before. And the as way that I teach no it, because but. my work is all rooted in right. as, right? Opposed, as opposed to no but yeah mm-hmm.
0: um it's more of an abundance mindset but, it seems than a scarcity mindset right.
1: Absolutely. All
2: right. All right.
1: Um One of the things that is important to me as someone who teaches mindful improv thinking, like I teach mindfulness practice and improvised comedy skills together. And I call this mindful improv thinking. So when I teach yes and I teach that really what we're talking about is acceptance and courage like Mm -hmm. we're talking about like the yes is Mm -hmm. like accepting what has already happened okay that's what it's about wonderful Uh it's not like saying yes to everything and i'll tell you right now as a woman improviser Uh who now there's more and more and more of us right it was not uncommon for me to be the only girl on stage for a while
2: okay Okay. and
1: so there's different times where and and my guys i'm gonna say right now they were respectful and and like i deeply love mm-hmm. my my fellow improvisers Wonderful. and I can absolutely think of a couple times where I had to be like hey I don't want you to grab my butt off stage mm-hmm. I don't know what type of stuff like I get that it's all silly and it's easy to get carried away in the moment yeah. and like maybe on stage we were husband and wife but off stage that's not what's going on here and I'm a married Mennonite so yep. like boundaries y'all I was gonna like, say you set boundaries so... around
0: your self-identity and what's right and yeah good for you and you spoke up for it so yeah that's awesome. yeah
1: and and what was important was for me to learn that whatever is going to happen on stage, mm-hmm. let's say that I'm in a scene where I'm married to someone, like right. if things start going in a direction that doesn't work for me, right. Yes and does not mean I have to keep building more of what's not working for me or what Absolutely. doesn't honor me. Yep. You know, like it sure I don't term. have to do that. That's not what yes and means. Mm-hmm. Yes doesn't mean yes. Like there's a deeper thing that's happening. Right. Yes means acceptance. Right. Yes means we don't ignore the thing that's not working for us. Right. Yes means we acknowledge and accept whatever has already happened in the scene. Mm-hmm. And then and is where we use vulnerability and mm-hmm. courage to build something of our own on top of it. Wonderful. So what I'm encouraging people to think of when they hear yes and from me, there's lots of different ways to to hear this, but right. the, way, the way I teach it, Yes, and when we apply this to life is about marrying humility with courage, the mm-hmm. humility to believe the next right thing can come from anywhere,
2: right? Yeah.
1: The next right thing can come from the person that freaking pisses me off. <laughs> the next right thing can come from someone that I have reasons not to trust. Right. And it's not just about me being sensitive. It's like I have freaking proof verified by a judge or whatever. Like (laughs) it can be like, yes. And is about accepting like Mm. that. This is my scene partner for better or worse. This is my scene partner. Yeah. And sort of like this humility to believe and understand that like, we are all more than the worst show. That doesn't mean the worst show didn't happen. That doesn't mean we didn't get it wrong before. That doesn't mean you're not correct. That this person was unprofessional, unhelpful, unkind, whatever. It's just that it means, and we are all more than the worst stuff about us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know I am. I know, like, I need that grace from other people. So that's like this yes piece, the way I teach it. And then, and is like, you have got to get brave. Because we do not need people who are sitting on the sidelines, watching their scene partners get their asses handed to them, Mm -hmm. or like fail miserably or whatever. And they're on the sidelines like, whoo. That's what happens when you try. That's why I stayed over here miserable in this job. I hate so much. That's what happens when you try, you know, like if you want to stay on the sidelines, Mm -hmm. criticizing whatever is happening on stage, you're not improvising. Like you might as well be in the audience.
2: Absolutely.
1: And, and, And this, maybe the entrepreneurship example isn't the most powerful one, but maybe it's like watching something happen in your family watching an argument happen. And it's like, I don't want to get involved with this. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to make it worse. That might be a more relatable example. And maybe it's not around the Thanksgiving table. Maybe it's in the boardroom, right? Maybe it's somewhere else, but there's something happening. Mm -hmm. A scene
2: Yeah.
1: Because all of life is improv. A scene is happening and you're watching from the sidelines. Like I don't want to make it worse.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't, I'm scared I'll make it worse.
0: Yep. Yeah, there's a, there's a time when neutrality is not the best, you know, action.
1: Well, it's like you're, and there's times like Sharna Halpern uh, wrote this book called Truth and Comedy, which I love. Oh, yeah. okay. I've read it several times. It's called Truth and Comedy. Yep. And she says, one of the most important skills of an improviser is to notice when they're not needed on stage. So there is this truth in mindful improv thinking that sometimes you're not needed. I when I'm working with groups on like micromanagement for example right, right, right. there's times there is times when it's like take a step back like not your way and wrong are not right. the same thing you know so right. like there's but there's just this understanding of like needing to know like when is it my time to get out there and when is it not and if you are asking yourself right now how do you know we say
0: where are the cues to know whether you should go on and help or stay back and let it go. Yeah.
1: So, this is why I talk about being in alignment. Okay. When you're in alignment, uh-huh. you have that answer for yourself. Alignment means I have trust in myself. I have trust in my scene partners. I have trust in the process. Okay. So, trust in myself means. I am not telling myself some kind of story that, hey, remember what happened last time you got involved? You freaking made it worse, or yeah. it was really mm-hmm. embarrassing, or you failed and lost all the money in your savings account or whatever. Okay. You've kind of forgiven yourself got for it. those past failures okay. or shortcomings. Beautiful. Okay. Trust in other people, same thing. Mm-hmm. You're reminding yourself like, uh-oh, I am seeing right now manifestations of not the best that these people can do. I've, I'm watching these people in my family say things that mm-hmm. do not represent the people of love that I know they truly are or whatever, whatever's happening, you're, you're seeing what's happening and you're reminding yourself, like it is safe to trust people that aren't perfect. In right. fact, that's my only option. If I'm going to trust anyone, because this a whole planet is made up of imperfect people. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm watching people be imperfect right now. And right. I am correct in seeing that see. imperfection is in front of me. Right. Absolutely. I can still trust that beautiful things get made every single day. Mm -hmm. by the hands of imperfect people
0: absolutely Absolutely. everything
1: that exists in this world Mm -hmm. was made at the hands of imperfect Imperfect people people. right so we kind of restore that trust in our scene partners
2: right the other people
1: trust in the process means I understand that I don't know 11 steps down the road how this thing plays out Mm -hmm. and that's okay because it's improv it's not written in stone how it's going to play out we are building that right now piece by piece by piece, by piece, Mm -hmm. whatever story I'm so afraid of in the future. I can decide right now to get present in this moment and get brave and do my part to build a future that I don't need to be so afraid of.
2: Exactly. But
1: right now is my opportunity to do that. And every second that I spend second guessing myself, Mm -hmm. berating myself for getting it wrong, telling myself that I need better scene partners in order to do something that feels good to me instead of just accepting these are the people that I have right now and what exists is enough. Mm -hmm. That's a core belief of mindful improv thinking. What exists is enough. Okay. You know? So when we put that leg of the tripod in place and we kind of reestablish that trust in the process, like we're going to build whatever it's going to be together. When those three legs of the tripod are in place, me, you, process you will have the understanding of like, okay, now it's my time to get brave or right. they've got this.
0: I would say it has to be in that order too. In order to attain alignment, you first have to trust in yourself. If you mm. don't have that trust in self, mm-hmm. it's, you, can't, you can't really trust in others. So um, how do you build that trust in self mm. in order to be able to take that next step of trust in others?
1: So not to sneaky style, plug my book. Do it, no. But this I'm is kind of why I'm I want am going to sneaky wanna, style plug my book right see, now. <laughs> I want you
0: to put it out there right now.
1: Yeah. So I wrote a book called "The Funny Thing About Forgiveness," and I was fortunate to have Colin Mockery from "Whose Line Is It Anyway?" Mm-hmm. write the forward for my book. Right. Um, And it really gets into this exact thing. Like the work of forgiveness is work that we can do proactively. We do not have to wait until we're feeling forgiving ish Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. in
1: order to really get inside of ourselves and be like, how can I let go of the shame, the resentment, the, the regret that I am just beating myself over the head with all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, how can I, Do that. And so much of it, this is what's beautiful and what I just like hope your listeners are ready to like really receive. Absolutely. When we allow ourselves to believe the future is not written in stone, Mm -hmm. this is improv. All of life is improv. Mm -hmm. It is improv. That means it's not decided yet. Right. We can let go of that venom we dump into ourselves because the reason that you are berating yourself. Over and over and over, and just cannot take your own claws out of your own heart Mm -hmm. is that you're telling yourself some kind of story that says, now, because I did that, now this bad thing has to happen in the future. Now things are Mm -hmm. limited. Now this relationship is beyond restoration. Now my career is effed up beyond Mm -hmm. what can be restored, whatever. You're telling yourself a disaster story about the future. Right. In some way, shape, or form, your future freedom, growth, success, expansion, connection, whatever. Yep. Some way, shape, or form, you're telling yourself this is not possible for me now.
2: Right.
1: What I deeply hope any person that interacts with me or my work will mm-hmm. walk away from knowing right. is that all of life is improv. That is the deepest truth that I know to mm-hmm. be true.
2: Absolutely.
1: And that means there is hope. Right. There is there. Is hope.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, you know, if if we embrace forgiveness and we forgive ourselves first, right, that just like trusting ourselves first, mm-hmm. and it does. It does. You can replace regret with forgiveness, and it does help you alleviate those those airs of your ways and others. And that's that's a great point you make.
1: And it's what I say in the book. My opening thesis of the book is that this proactive forgiveness, which Mm -hmm. I teach in the book using both mindful improv skills and background as a social worker, understanding behavior modification, which we can get into or not get into. We probably (laughs) don't have time to get into, but all of that is in the book. But the hypothesis or thesis, I mean, at the beginning of the book is that This is not just the right thing to do. There's no moral obligation here. Right, absolutely. But it is the most critical leadership skill. Mm -hmm. If you want to be a successful entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. if you want to succeed at whatever is important to you as a pastor, a teacher, a community activist, a parent, leader of a company, nonprofit, whatever, you have got to get proactive about forgiveness because any other leadership skill that is important to you, holding a big vision, being a good includer, Motivating your people, trusting your people instead of micromanaging, you Mm -hmm. know, delegating Mm -hmm. well, communicating well. All of these things that we Mm -hmm. know are important for leaders to do hinge upon whether or not you have forgiven yourself or you have forgiven past templates of poor leadership or whatever.
2: Absolutely. Because
1: that's what enables you to consistently do those things well. When we are not consistent in those behaviors, that's true. What I teach in the book is Mm -hmm. that you can get curious. And I give some examples in the book and some exercises people can do to practice this. But when we're not consistent in any of those behaviors, we can get curious and figure out where there is an opportunity for forgiveness that will help us Mm -hmm. increase our batting average at whatever that healthy skill is that we're trying to implement.
0: Absolutely, because forgiveness allows us to be grateful and grateful keeps us in that present moment that you talked about with improv. Mm -hmm. Um, I could talk to you forever. Uh, two final questions. Okay. Okay. Andrea, what advice would you give about life to young Andrea, seven to 10 years old?
1: Mm. Seven to 10 years old were challenging years for me. Mm -hmm. Um, sharing what I've already shared about my story. Right. And there was this deep darkness For Mm -hmm. me, that I felt like I was constantly treading water, just constantly trying to keep my head above the waves um, and not believe that I was worthless. Because when you come from that type of sexual assault and then Mm -hmm. are raised in purity culture, where it's like the most important thing a woman can ever be is a virgin, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, and like sexually pure and all this. And then these things have been taken from you.
2: Right, right
1: it's so confusing to know, like, am I good? Am I good enough? Like, you know, like, am I valuable? Am I desirable? Do I, am I, do I belong here at all? You know? So just like constantly, you know, things I would hear in church, which I come from a family of Almost all the men in my family are pastors. So I was always in church at least three times a week in church. And so hearing these different messages, people say something, some kind of way, and it would just fire up this shame storm for me of like, just constantly wondering, is there any hope for me? Like, am I good enough at all? Mm -hmm. I would tell that precious, precious little girl, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you are enough. (laughs) You are enough. That's what I would tell her. I would just give her the hugest hug and you know, be like, that's beautiful. you belong in the world.
0: Absolutely beautiful. So put on your entrepreneurial hat and Andrea, the entrepreneurs. Andrea or Andrea? What do you do? Andrea. Andrea. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and what would you tell the the young Andrea who's ready to go out in the entrepreneur world? What advice would you give her about life and about <laughs> business? and
1: So, you know, I don't know if there's any advice I could give her different than what anybody else says. Drink more water, have (laughs) healthy routines, be proactive with sales, Mm -hmm. make your bed in the morning. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Like there's so much good advice out there. I think Mm -hmm. maybe what I would say to her is the things that are hard for you to do consistently that Mm -hmm. you know are the right thing to do. You yeah. know, it's the right thing to be brave and go introduce yourself to new people. Right. You know, it's the right thing to ask to get paid more. You mm-hmm. know, it's the mm-hmm. right thing. Mm-hmm. You know, these things are the right thing. There's nothing novel that I can say in this space other than why aren't you doing it?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Get curious with gentle curiosity about why aren't you doing that stuff yep, and work on that. Because right. that's going to increase your batting average and help this go a Absolutely. lot more smoothly. <laughs> yeah.
0: The reason why I love asking those last two questions is because is in life, we were always taught separate life and work, right? Work-life balance, which mm-hmm. to me does not exist. I think that was a myth and a lie that we've been taught because the two pieces of advice you just gave help, each of those pieces of advice help both the young Andrea, seven to 10 and the Andrea, the young entrepreneur. Yeah, right? They both do. So I, so I suggest to people don't separate work life. You have strengths in work. You can adapt in your personal life and you have strengths in your personal life. You can adapt at work. Yeah. That's you. 16 hours of the 24 hours, so to speak. So don't separate that. You uh, have been a wonderful, wonderful person to talk to. I'm so glad we're friends and you're in my life and community. And you are making such a wonderful difference in the world. How can people find you? How can people have more of Andrea?
1: Well, um, I love to connect with people through the Mindful Improv community. I am on social media some. And I'm on the places where you find folks, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but the best way to stay in touch with me is through the Mindful Improv community. It's for free. There's no upsells happening here right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go to andbeyondimprov.com and scroll to the bottom there's of that homepage, you can join there. I can also send you a link. Do you, do you send this out to people via email or? no?
0: I will uh, give me the link. I'll put it in the show notes. Oh, great. So yeah. on the
1: link in the show notes. Yes. Is what I meant to say by yes. all that.
0: You no, know, I should have told you that before. I am so sorry.
1: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> and yeah. And so you can join the Mindful Improv community mm-hmm. um, and that's where you can learn more about Mindful Improv thinking. And I'd love to have you as a reader. If you are uh, someone who's up for a book that has personnel. This is my my thing that was important to me was I want to write a book for leaders that is fun to read. Because I know what it feels like to have been given books by bosses that was like, this is important for your career. And it was like real hard to push through it. So I tried to write a book that is fun to read, meaningful on a soul level, and practically helpful in your day-to-day life as well.
0: Give the audience the names of all your books and how to get them.
1: So right now there is one book out. It is called The Funny Thing About Forgiveness. What every leader needs to know about improv culture and the world's least favorite F word, which is forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can find that on Amazon and it's linked. If you want fewer than 50 books, you can get that on Amazon. If you want to buy them for everybody at your company or wherever, then you can bulk orders. You can place through me directly beautiful on my and website I use
0: the uh, the plural word of books because you have so much knowledge and stuff to give I hope you're going to be writing a few more
1: more are coming all
0: right <laughs> And you thank you so much for for being here and uh, you've made my day
1: thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure
0: absolutely take care thanks so much for listening if you enjoyed the episode please subscribe and give us a review to help others find it if you find yourself immersed in adversity and would like to find support from other men in times of struggle, please become a member of my Men Supporting Men Collaboration Tribe by emailing me at drew at expressing your interest, and I'll get in touch with you. Speak to you soon.